Hi friends, welcome back to the Coffee and Honeycomb podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Park, and guys, I'm so excited to be back for season two. It's been a minute since season one, so thank you for coming back to listen. There's a lot of fun guests planned for this next season, so look forward to a new episode every single Wednesday. Today, we're kicking off the season with Sue Warnicky. Sue is an incredible woman. I can't wait for you to hear from her. She's a senior director at one of the top companies in Silicon Valley, and she also helps start a faith employee group at her work, which she is now the president of. Sue is so successful, but what is most impressive about her is her effective ability to be both bold and gentle about bringing faith to her workplace. Today, you'll hear her powerful testimony of how she went from being an agnostic to now someone who travels the country speaking and encouraging others to love Jesus and bring their whole self to work. This conversation was super helpful for me. You'll hear her how her perspective of work changed after following Jesus, and she even provides some tools on how to talk about faith at work when you don't feel brave or safe to do so, and then encourage us about the impact those conversations can have. I'm excited for you to hear from her, and I hope it gives you some encouragement and boldness on your way to work today. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Sue. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jenny. Nice to be here. And you were flying around in New York recently. How did it go? What were you doing? Yeah, so that was a a conference. That was a great honor to be at that. It was a conference for MBA students, uh, mostly Christian, but a variety of faiths arrived there. And it's really just to encourage them as they kind of wrap up their MBA program and, and think about starting their own businesses. So I was there to advise on what it's like to to work in Silicon Valley and how to account for faith diversity there. We've done, I think, eight or nine episodes now, and we haven't talked about work yet, mm. which is interesting because I know a lot of my friends, people listening to the show do work or work in an office. And it's something that we talk about a lot is how does faith show up at work? And so I know this is going to be something that people are really interested in. Awesome. Yeah, I know it's, it's important. Yeah. And before we get started, I would love people to um, know a little bit about you. So can you share about yourself? I know you work at Salesforce. Force, what do you do? Where do you live? Oh. Yeah. So I've been at Salesforce now for, I started about 11 years ago. I'm a senior director of engineering content, which just mostly means documentation. So we write all the manuals and the online help and videos to help people use Salesforce. So that's what I do in my day job. I also um, am honored to run a couple groups here at Salesforce. One is around faith diversity with all those um, employee resource groups. And then I also uh, help lead an affinity group for the Christians to meet together for prayer. So that's one thing. I have three teenagers, which, you know, I say, thank God I have God in my life now because (laughs) I have teenagers in my house. Um, And just a wonderful husband. We live in Pacifica along the coast, a little surf town. Um, So it's it's a a good, a good life. That's awesome. Where's Pacifica? So it's, you might've heard of Half Moon Bay. Oh, yes. um, Yeah. It's just north of that. So it's kind of south of San Francisco, this, this very quiet, sleepy little surf town. So my husband is a surfer. So that was his, his one request when we got married is that we would live by the beach. And I thought, you know, I can, I can comply with that. Yeah. That's not a, that's not a bad deal. Wait, do you work in, not in the city office, I'm guessing. I do, but it's, it's not bad. It's, you know, one hour door to door. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know Half Moon Bay was that that close. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of deceptive. So, Um, okay. So your faith-based employee research group, I'm excited to talk about that. So did you and other people start it and why was it important for you guys to start that at work? 
Yeah. So as we'll probably talk about, I converted to Christianity a couple years ago after a lifetime of being a very proud agnostic. And it was a really radical life change for me. Suddenly, my faith was not just kind of, well, <laughs> it was never important before, but it, was, it wasn't just sort of important. It was the most important thing in my entire life. And yet I wasn't sure if it was safe to talk about it and to mm-hmm. be myself. So I kind of felt alone. And I started to research what other companies were doing. Turns out um, there were a couple trailblazers here at Salesforce that had already started this journey to explore whether faith could be considered part of the diversity conversation. When we say, most companies say, bring your whole authentic self to work. And many of them leave out faith. And yet that's the number one identifier for a lot of employees. So we started that conversation. They let me kind of join the process and we um, were able to to kick off a group called Faith Force about uh, a little over a year ago here at Salesforce. And it's actually become the fastest growing employee resource group in Salesforce history. Oh, wow. Um, Over 1,600 members in just over a year in five continents. So we have 11 hubs. I mean, it's it's just been just so well received. Yeah. What do you guys do as part of this employee resource group? So we have kind of three pillars. One of them is um, education. So we like to just learn from each other, you know, and a desire to gain empathy and understand where somebody's coming from. It's nice. And, and we're extremely diverse here. So we do have multiple faith perspectives. It's fascinating to learn about what does Ramadan mean? What does Yom Kippur mean? What, you know, understand why somebody might be fasting. And maybe that's not the day to have a buffet party at your uh, on your team. So you gain empathy. and. Oh, interesting. People feel really seen and validated. Um, so that's that's one. Another one is celebration. So we'll have big parties to celebrate Diwali or um, Eid or Easter. And, you know, that gives everybody a chance to kind of come alongside, whether you have that faith or not, you can be an ally and you can celebrate. And then the third pillar is philanthropy. So every faith agrees on compassion for those in need. And so we do a lot of outreach to the homeless, especially here in San Francisco, um, making meals, delivering them, even just talking to those in need. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's great. I'd love to um, learn more about what you said when um, you were first becoming a believer and you weren't sure if faith, you didn't feel safe to talk about faith at work. Was yeah. that something that resonated with all the people that joined your group? And why, why do you think that is? Absolutely. I mean, that was the the uniting factor was we all assumed that we couldn't talk about faith. I think we're taught all through school that that's the one thing that you are not allowed to talk about. And it, it sort of builds up this, this wall around us where we become afraid to even bring it up and we just make all of these assumptions. So we think it's this impenetrable wall. And I think in what I'm seeing is that people are really hungry to talk about spirituality and whether you know, they have a particular belief or they're just exploring people are, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it can be the driving factor of our life. So uh, what I found is that that isn't actually a wall, that it's actually paper thin. And, you know, all it takes is, is a a real question of curiosity. You know, what's, what's your faith background or, or did you grow up with any particular faith background And, and honestly caring about the answer, not, not pushing faith, but really being open to learn. Mm hmm do you, um, I don't know if you watch Silicon Valley, but there's yes. like, what? oh, you do? Okay. You probably know what I'm about to say then. Yes. There's that one episode where this guy comes in and he says something like, you can come out as anything in San Francisco, but as a Christian. 
And yeah. Then, like, and it goes all around around like him being so afraid to come out and say that he's a Christian. So funny. Um, I um, personally have definitely felt, I think, that misconception of feeling like I shouldn't yeah. share this part of my life. But it comes out, of course, like when people ask about my weekends or um, what my podcast is about. And usually they're very receptive and just right. welcoming and being like, oh, great. Like, that's cool. What church do you go to? Yeah. Um, even if they don't go to church or they're, even if they're not interested in being part of a church. So, yeah. but yeah, something about starting that first conversation is, is, is scary. It is. And that's why I, you know, I try to teach people some of those kind of one-liners of what's your faith background or how did you grow up? You know, what, what's your faith perspective? Those never go wrong, you know, and, and I really mean it. I'm super curious about people, but I know that that episode. So I wrote a, a blog called um, Out of the Shadows, uh, coming out as a Christian in Silicon Valley, and then another one called um, Silicon Valley Surprising Business Booster. Faith, and I, I referenced huh. that um, that comment in Silicon Valley. You can be anything except the one thing you cannot be is a Christian, and I think that's a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, I think you know one thing we have to be all of us of faith have to be careful of is almost making assumptions of what a, what others think before mm-hmm. we ask them. Right? I think there's even um, a concern, like we don't want to be, have any bigotry about everybody else and what they think of us. And, you know, it's a really diverse, um, population. So I think the first step is just asking a question and you'll be shocked at, at, like you said, at the response, people are really open. Yeah. Wait, can you tell us more about these one-liners? Where do you teach them or are they in certain contexts that are they kind of like, um, just tools that people can use when they feel not sure how to share this part of their life? Well, I've had a lot of um, practice at this because as part of this faith group, this employee resource group, we're constantly educating people. We get to hand out flyers in the lobby or at, you know, new hire to hundreds of employees all around the world, along with all the other groups. We have 11 of them right now, or 12 actually, um, to educate them about how they can plug in here. So, you know, I get to start a lot of conversations over the, the past year and a half, and that's that's what I've learned as the most effective questions um, that, that really nobody is balks at and, in fact, really likes answering is simply, what is your faith perspective? Or what is your faith background? Or how did you grow up? Um, and those will op- just op- you know break through, basically, what we thought was a wall, what is actually paper thin, and then suddenly you can have a conversation and you can see each other as multifaceted people with a story not as these kind of stereotypes of anti-Christian or crazy Christian um, or, or any perspective. It's like suddenly you become three-dimensional. Yeah, that's interesting because, um, and you know, I work at LinkedIn, which is a place yeah. of like relationships matter is one of our core values and it's a firm belief that as people get to know each other as people, they enjoy coming into work, they're higher performers, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Um, so this part of getting to know someone in that way is also leads up to that of like getting to know one another as humans, as opposed to just like colleagues or people who are going to yeah. be efficient people that output work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's been um, the highlight of my job here is kind of opening those doors. And then once, once that door is open, it may just be a seed in that moment where they know, okay, this is a person that I can talk to about faith. And then uh, what I find is they come back and they want to, kind of go the next level and say, you know, I really do have some real questions about faith and they'll set up one-on-ones with me. I've, I, I even started blocking my calendar from 8.30 to 9 every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday 
so I can have dedicated time to to meet with people who want to kind of talk about faith the next wow. step. Can you give us a snippet of uh, your blog post about the surprising impact in Silicon Valley, which is faith? How does that tie to business? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the story I, I love to share is a friend of mine noticed that his employee was looking really tired. And so he asked him, you know, what's wrong? Everything okay? And the employee looked down and was very quiet and kind of mumbled under his breath that, well, I'm fasting for Ramadan. And the, import, the, the, employee, the manager said something really important, which was, um, oh, tell me more about that. Hmm. And the employee looked up, shocked that his manager was curious, wanted to know about this thing that he thought he had to hide. Um, and he said, well, I'm fasting from sunup to sundown to gain empathy for those in need, which the manager found fascinating and said, wow, you know, and then he, he said, you know, why don't you share this with our team so we can all learn? And he also said this very important thing, which is, um, how can I support you? Wow. And this changed this guy's life. You know, he tells me this story. He, he felt so validated and seen for the first time in his life. Um, and he, you know, he, he brags about his manager. He brags about Salesforce externally. So he's basically recruiting for us. He's super loyal. He's incredibly productive. Um, and that's what we see time and again. And, and in fact, I was at one of these in, uh, new hire kickoffs and a Muslim employee came up to me and he said, Sue, I have to tell you, um, I'm here because of Faith Force. He said, I, I was at my other company. He named a very large uh, company in Silicon Valley. And he said, I didn't feel safe to pray or hmm. to be myself there. And I heard about Faith Force and I quit and I came here. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not only a business booster to s- allow faith into the diversity conversation, but it's becoming critical. That's powerful. Can we go back? I love to hear about your journey to coming to faith. I know you mentioned that um, this happened a few years ago for you and clearly it's just, it just changed your life and the way that you think about work and every aspect of it. Can you share about how you went from being agnostic to? (laughs) It's (laughs) pretty radical. Yeah. Yeah. I I have a strong personality as you might hear in my voice, but um, I kind of jump into things full on, but uh, that's definitely the case with this. So I grew up in Utah in a little town called Layton, Utah, which at the time was about 95% Mormon. And we were not Mormon. We were were kind of nothing. I sort of, I remember going to church a little bit when I was uh, in preschool, like a Protestant church, and my parents had some sort of falling out and they stopped going. So I was like the only non-Mormon kid in my entire class, often my entire childhood and I was, I was kind of the target of evangelism most oh. of my childhood, not in, a, in, in any kind of bullying way. I mean, it was like an incredibly sweet culture, nothing against, um, you know, LDS culture. I have incredible respect for it, but um, I, I was an outsider and I decided that I hated religion hmm. in that moment as a, as a very young child and that I didn't want any part of it. And I built a big wall around myself about it, but you have to follow something in life. So I kind of pursued the God of, of accomplishment and I became really obsessed with grades and achievements. And actually that worked really well <laughs> through life, um, most of my life. And I accomplished everything on my list, master's program, great job, wonderful family. Um, and about f- uh, four years ago, I just sort of started to feel like I was missing something. So that's how it started. Uh, a, a void really in my life. And I 
have Did no something idea. trigger that or was it more so you, is it because you, you reached all these things that you thought would satisfy it still wasn't enough? Yeah, it just wasn't enough. You know, what, what else could I sort of accomplish? I traveled, I had had a you know, wonderful family, great job, and I was still hungry. I was super hungry. What is that about? And I actually had almost a vision at that time. I, I had this image in my head of, of teaching kind of a, a large group. And I thought, oh, okay. So maybe I'm supposed to, to go into training. So I sort of misinterpreted that clue. I think God was trying to give me and I quit my job, this incredible job. I quit uh-huh. and against much advice. And I pursued this new job of training, um, leadership training, uh, which at first was amazing. And I was traveling around the world, teaching leadership to fortune 500 companies but then suddenly I had to sell these classes and it turns out I was terrible at sales. So, I mean, I would get so close to like a half a million dollar sale and like the buyer would quit or, you know, something awful would happen. And I was just dismally failing. And so that was interesting for me to experience that. And, and I remember, uh, and at the same time, my family was, was struggling with all my travel. So I was sort of failing at family and at work mm. at the same time. And I, I remember sitting in a hotel room in Vienna, Virginia, all by myself in the dark, um, re- literally the end of myself. There was nothing else I could do. I got an email from a client saying, uh, saying, no, I'm not interested. And I got an email from a doctor. We were trying to help my son with something um, saying, no, I can't help. Wow. And I just thought, I can't, there's nothing else I can do. And I said out loud, I give up. And I'd never said that before. <laughs> and something really remarkable happened when I surrendered. Um, you know, the next day, suddenly I would encounter the word God in a book or, you know, a magazine. And, and it was appealing for the first time. Uh, whereas I would have kind of been put off by it in the past. Or I would hear a song about God and I was very drawn to it. And all of this um, culminated in me thinking of my kid's old karate teacher from like, you know, 10 years ago. I just remembered that he went to church. Interesting. And he'd invited, he'd invited me to church way back then. And I kind of, you know, thought that was crazy, but I remembered it in that moment. And I texted him and I said, can I go to church with you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and of course he said, yes. And I, I went and it was this really powerful experience. And a couple people there prayed over me and I'd never been prayed over before. And they just asked God to be with me. And uh, I was very confused what was happening, but I, I went to a, uh, on another business trip and I, I uh, got there and I, I got this, this text from this karate teacher. And he said, I pray that the Holy spirit will reveal himself to you today. And I, I actually didn't know what that meant, but I thought it was really sweet. And, and then, <laughs> An hour later, I got a, a call from my aunt and she said, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm supposed to call you right now and tell you about God. Oh, wow. And so we had this really amazing conversation and that's when I decided. And did you know your aunt was a Christian? Not really. Okay. Not really. We just didn't talk about faith um, at all in my extended family. And wow. it was just so out of the blue. And so I... It, you know, as we were talking, I knew it was the most important conversation of my life. Wow. It was so beautiful. And I said, at the end of it, I believe you. And um, kind of fell to my knees and, and repented and prayed. And um, I wandered into a church a few days later and 
just said, you know, Jesus, I do want you to lead my life. You are the, the, the king, the king. Yeah. What was it about like when you first texted the karate teacher and your aunt that made God appealing at that time or something that like you wanted? Yeah. I mean, I would say it was not really a thought. It was really just a a feeling. Um, When I decided to text the karate teacher, it was very much just a, I think that was my first experience of obedience where I had an overwhelming feeling compulsion to do something, to take some kind of action. And I simply knew that I needed to do it. Like I didn't want to do it. I felt really dumb texting him, you know, out of, after all these years saying, Hey, remember me? And, you know, I remember you go to church and I, and I, even after I texted it, I thought, Oh, that's so dumb. That's so embarrassing. And even, you know, on the way to church thinking like, what am I doing? This is so crazy and wanting to turn back. So it's this battle kind of began, but it was this act of obedience. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's so powerful. And it reminds me of, I'm going to butcher this quote, which I think is from C.S. Lewis. And it's something like, um, if there's nothing in this world that we can find that satisfies us, then maybe there's something outside of this world. Do you know what? I I I do. I do. I thought you were going to do a different one, which I also love, which is kind of um, similar about obedience from C.S. Lewis. He says, uh, whatever you do, he will make good of it, Mm. but not the good he had prepared for you had you obeyed. And, you know, I'll I'll say that one again, because it's so powerful. I think Um, whatever you do, he will make good of it, but not the good he had prepared for you had you obeyed. So I think we we sometimes overthink what God's plan is for us and, and what exactly we're supposed to do. And I think it's more, you know, listen, listen. And when you do feel compelled to do something, identify where that's coming from and, and then don't overthink it, just obey it. It's interesting because you, you have this vision of you teaching even before you mm-hmm. believed in God. So you quit everything, pursued it, which led you to this new season of like failing in like these yeah. areas of your life when achievement was something that was such a part of your identity. And then yeah. that led you to finding God. Like that's such a crazy, miraculous <laughs> story. That's so cool. And it, it's like such a, it's one of those like God things that you can see that he was like planting different yeah. seeds and working in your life. So yeah, what I happened mean, after that? Was that like, okay, now you are a part of church. Yeah. Yeah. And just to your point of kind of like a God thing, I always think of Revelation um, 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with you and you with me. And I think I look back and God was knocking on my door my whole life. I wow. mean, I can think back to so many times now that I realize, oh, that was God trying, trying, trying to, to um, get my attention. And, you know, I think he's at knocking on everybody's door and it's up to us to hear it, to just take the time and say, you know, okay, maybe I'm not the God of, of my life. And maybe there's, you know, maybe, maybe I should open this door and just see what, <laughs> what comes out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I forgot your question. What was it? No, that's okay. And I, I want to um, say something to that. I really, I didn't know that verse. I really liked it. And I love the picture of like dining with one another, yeah. your phrase of like him pursuing you and knocking on the door, because I think um, 
whether you are a Christian or not, like, I think sometimes we just forget that like being a believer is about having a relationship with God as opposed to like instead of rules that you follow or this expectation of what you should look like. Mm. And I think that's a lot of what feels like hard or there's this like conflict, but the story of like God loving his people and pursuing them no matter yeah. what and wanting to be with them and to dine with them. So I think that's yeah. a, really, a really, really beautiful picture. And that's what invited or op- like led you to open your heart and invite him in was that peace. Yeah, it, it does feel like that, you know, on, on the good days when I feel kind of centered, it feels like, okay, you know, we're arm in arm or yoked as that passage says. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sort of um, walking alongside. Mm-hmm. After that experience, what happened to um, like this uh, idea of achievement, like that yeah. being kind of your North Star, did that go away? Was that a wrestle? Yeah. Oh, definitely wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in many ways it was sort of a road to Damascus experience where I was, you know, I was so anti-Christian before and and to give you evidence of how anti I was, you know, I used to <laughs> I used to teach uh, in the university, taught English and literature, and I would tell my students, you can write about any topic you want, except for religion. Oh, wow. So I would not allow it. I mean, I was, you know, angry about um, kind of my whole lifetime of, of not fitting in. And so, um, to, so to go from that to now just 100% all in, um, you know, I think is, is kind of a luxury because I can see the stark difference of what life is like without God and with God. And so it it can help me stay focused. I think it's harder in some ways when you don't have that dramatic moment or, you know, miracle, clear miracle. Um, So I have a lot of empathy for people who struggle with, um, well, I didn't have that flash of light or I didn't have, you know, God never knocked me over the head. It was more gradual. I think that's just as beautiful. Right. And there's a whole story in that, but um, so, so what happened, I mean, just total miracles happened actually. So I had, I learned what it's like to obey God without, you know, not overthinking it, but obey. And one of the things that happened, I was walking, speaking of coffee, I was uh, at my old job, mm-hmm. the wrong job. Right. And, and I was walking to the kitchen to refill my coffee cup and I felt absolutely just stopped in my tracks. And the feeling I, I got was go back to your desk and write an email. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I will, you know, that, that just blind obedience in a way in that moment. And I turned back and I opened my laptop and what came out was this just big apology to my old leaders, uh, the job that I had left. And I was just, you know, writing and writing. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for all that you did for me. I was wrong. I was arrogant in leaving. Wow. I've learned so much. And, I just want to thank you for, uh, for, for everything you've done and wish you well. And I just sent it, you know, I didn't really even reread it. I just was like, oh, okay. You know, I've learned to do this. And that led to them ultimately offering me my old job to come back. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you sent this to your previous company, the one that you quit before you did the leadership training. Yeah. Got it. And then you went, okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so that, you know, that was just one of, of many times where I've just had a feeling of um, kind of command, do this thing, and I do it, and an amazing blessing follows. So, uh, you know, that that came, I, I did, I joined Salesforce again as a boomerang two years ago. We call it boomerang. Yeah. And then um, at, once I was here, I was able to partner with um, people of faith and kind of help, oh help bring faith into the workplace here at Salesforce and 
have it be a really core part of our diversity. So that's been a blessing. And um, my family's doing so much better with, with me um, being home and not traveling and, you know, work is great. So I, you know, it's not perfect, but mm-hmm. I, I feel very blessed and that this is the, where I'm supposed to be right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a personal question because yes. I'm really curious here. So for me, um, like I think for me, a being a woman and then B being a person of color and then now also not also, but see also being a believer. I, when I show up to work, I feel like people must have these like, uh, stereotypes or ideas of what all these three could be. So yeah. I, feel like I need to perform really, really well before mm-hmm. they know I'm a Christian, just in case like they already assume like, oh, because you're a woman, maybe you're more um, emotional or because you're Asian, maybe you're more submissive or maybe because you're a believer, you're less hardworking. I don't know what those yeah. things are. Like, did you ever feel that? Like now that you were a Christian, did you feel like your performance at work could be in question? Mm. Um, a version of that. So, you know, I did show up with a lot of fear because, you know, I had worked very hard to build up a reputation of credibility, you know, at this company. And, and I thought, oh, I'm throwing it all away once I, you know, once people know I'm a Christian, I was really nervous about it. Um, but what I found is that that's almost like me judging them to hmm. assume that they think negatively of me when in fact they they, what I'm finding is they don't, you know, they may have a little bit of misconception. Uh, the way to counteract that I've learned is not, not through accomplishment. I mean, yes, I care a lot about doing a good job, um, but it's, it, it comes out more as love for them. I think that, you know, the Bible says they will know you by your love and taking time to, to love my coworkers, whether that's a one-on-one interaction or just asking about their day or, um, thinking ahead. I mean, when I pray in the morning, it's, it really is, okay, God, what are my marching orders for you today? And who am I supposed to kind of minister to, or who am I supposed to, to really think about and take care of today? And that's where I think all those stereotypes can melt away is when they see that you love them, that you yeah. love all of them, no matter what, whether it's the executive who's chewing you out or the, you know, employee who's having a bad day, yeah. that you love them. I love that. Yeah. Well, that's a good perspective. When you meet with people, because I know you blocked off um, some of your mornings to chat with people, are there like common questions that you get? Mm, it depends. I get a lot of people from outside of Salesforce that book that time. So they'll hear me on, or they'll see my posts on LinkedIn and, and they might be the only, they might feel like the only believer or the only person of faith in their company. Yeah. And so they reach out to me to encourage them. So um, it depends why they're reaching out to me. If they're feeling very alone, uh, you know, they need to hear some some tangible steps that they can take to find other people so that they're not alone. Um, if it depends where they're at, if they're way past that and they're like, you know what, I feel really compelled to do something, then I can give them um, some other steps to to make headway in whatever environment they're in or sometimes people just want to talk about faith in general and this might be the first time that they feel safe to talk about faith and ask questions yeah and so I try to just be very curious and loving and, and help them feel safe that's amazing 
How did that happen from you starting this or you helping start this faith employee resource group to like people outside of your company company reaching out to you and even like inviting you to speak on all these different places? How did people become aware of that? I mean, I think it's just a God thing. He seems to be directing all of this. And again, I'm just trying to obey and do what, where, you know, go where he tells me to go. So some of it is that I'm not ashamed of my beliefs. And I post about faith diversity often on on LinkedIn or Twitter. I try to do it very carefully, wisely, gently, Um, but I'm not ashamed. And I think that's uncommon, it seems. So um, so, you know, people might share it or they'll like it and, and they'll somehow find it. So whether it's a talk that's posted, I did, I did have the opportunity to share my testimony um, in detail, that whole process of the hotel room and my aunt um, online. So if you go to YouTube and you search Sue Warnicky, you can find that right away. And so a lot of people have found me through that and they reach out on yeah. LinkedIn. So I'm not exactly sure how they all uh, kind of how they encounter it. I think that's a God thing too. Um, but I just obey. Yeah, that's cool. I think it's so funny that, uh, and I always say God is so funny with our lives sometimes <laughs> that, um, you went from being like, yeah, hundred, like super agnostic to yeah. you know, being someone who gets to share and speak and invite other people. And then also that Crazy. you do get to teach, like you are teaching. I know. I know. I mean, I, when I, it was about, I guess, a week or two after I had converted, after I had you know, gone back to this church and said a very messy prayer of <laughs> commitment. Um, I remember I was at church and I was in the back of the room. It was after everybody had left and I was cleaning up or something, helping pick up flyers. And I felt my calling really, which was um, somehow God speaking to me saying, you know, this is what I have trained you for. Uh, you know, I'd had years of leadership training and public speaking training, and um, it was for this purpose to help encourage people in their faith. Wow. And, and so, yeah, I feel very honored. He, he was actually shaping me the whole time, even though I took credit for it. Now I know that it was all God. Wow. Um, I want to also talk about faith and work because I've seen two camps of people in the mm-hmm. church, I would think think about work because it's it's an interesting, um, there's a tension there. I think some people think of work as just a place to make money. And so they're mm-hmm. less invested in showing up to work and being their best. And then there's another camp of people, which I think I fall into sometimes where you're super ambitious. You want to do really well at work. And then sometimes you feel guilty because you feel like you're chasing just money or title promotion and putting your identity in that. Yeah. How should we as believers think about work? Yeah. I mean, for me, everything has become incredibly simple, incredibly black and white in my life. So I don't, um, I struggle with the implementation, but I don't struggle with the purpose. So my purpose is to work for God. Um, So I think of God as my CEO and uh, everything that I do is in service of, of his vision and his mission plan for me. So in order to know what I'm supposed to do, I have to ask him, and so I'll ask him in the morning, like, okay, you know, showing up for duty. What is my, um, you know, what, what, how can I help you today, God? How can I work for you today? Just like, just like our managers want to hear that. When we mm. go to our manager, how can I help you today? How can I help you this quarter? Um, God wants us to ask that too. How can I help you? And every time I, I get some kind of message of, um, you know, this is how you solve that problem at work. or This is who needs your love today. And I just try to go do it. So 
Um, and, and my, you know, because I work for God and he is my boss and my CEO, um, you know, everything that I do is, is for him. And, and, and it's not to, it's not for myself and it's not to consume like everything that I do at work is to, um, to give back and to perform and execute <laughs> for him. Um, and so it's, I just sort of put that context over every single meeting and I fail constantly. I mean, constantly, you know, I might, I'm getting frustrated or thinking too much about a problem. But if I, if I put that overlay on everything, every meeting becomes missional that I can, I can love people in this meeting and maybe I could call out something that will add value or that will, um, you know, show love. So I, I think it's more of a mindset, I guess, yeah. more than anything, is that I'm, I don't work for, for the world, even though I'm so privileged to be here, and I, I don't take it for granted. My, my boss is God. Yeah. It sounds like it's like a daily intimacy with God that helps yeah. you stay clear on like, this is why I show up to work. And yeah. what is um, an example? What's like a tip you can give to someone if they're listening and they're not part of a group at work, but they're now interested in finding other yeah. believers um, or being more bold? What are some tips that you can give them? Yeah. I mean, you know, see what God wants of you. So, you know, do pray and ask if, are, are you know, are you supposed to be a trailblazer in your company? Is, is it the time and the place now? It could be. It could be that, you know, you're, you're asked to really drive and found and build something new. And if that's true, there's amazing articles online how to do that. that I just shared one this morning. So you can find that on my LinkedIn or Twitter. Oh, cool. About okay. tangible steps that you can take. Um, you definitely want to work with and alongside your office of equality or diversity, um, HR, you know, have this be a joint project, not something you're demanding or pushing or saying, I have my rights, you know, but really just like work, you know, I think of Nehemiah and Esther in the Bible who were so nuanced with their language and had such reverence and respect for the environments that they were mm-hmm. in. We, you know, we, like we are really privileged to have these jobs. Um, and, and we should be extra, extremely gentle and respectful, I think, of the environments that we're in, no matter what, because it's a gift that we're there. And so if you, if you feel called in that way, then there are steps you can take to, to really drive an actual group creation. If, if your company isn't there yet or that doesn't seem like what God's calling you, you can certainly find somebody to pray with. Hmm. Um, you know, where two or more are gathered, there I am among you. So it didn't take much for me to just search, you know, and see if anybody on, on our social network was talking about God or Jesus or prayer or anything like that. And I found a few people and, um, and we would just meet and pray at work. And there's really nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, all faiths have that, have that right actually to pray at work. Uh, and, and God will then take that and bless it. So it's like, you don't have to plan the whole thing out. You just simply have to take one baby step or maybe it's wearing your cross to work. You know, maybe that's a a big step of faith. It was for me Uh, and, and opening up some conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say um, take a baby step, whatever that step is, maybe it's start a group, maybe it's start talking about your faith. Maybe it's praying with somebody. 
Yeah, that's so good. I know for some people too, it's even um, sharing what you did that weekend. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I went to church on Sunday or I went to Bible study on Thursday, whatever that is. Like sometimes yeah. that can be like an uncomfortable or thing you want to avoid. Yeah. Um, but that could be one small step too. Oh, it's so last, important. Yeah. Yeah. At my last um, job in Minneapolis, there was a group of us who, because we have, uh, I'm sure a lot of offices have like either mother's rooms or like meditation rooms. Yeah. And we would sometimes meet in the meditation room if someone just wanted to like, vent or share and then we would kind of all take a minute to pray together and yeah. it's so helpful because to your point like whether or not we intentionally show up as our authentic selves or bring our whole selves to work it's with us and so when something yeah. frustrating or stressful happens we can't completely compartmentalize it so being able to have that safe space to be able to talk and share and pray is yeah oh yeah I, I mean I think that would be probably the number one tip is just pray at work pray on your own pray with people find find people that want to pray with you. Yeah. Um, and before I let you go, I would love to hear what your honeycomb is, a Bible verse or a truth that you're kind of really enjoying this season. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's hard to pick, but I, you know, I think it's very important that we, that we listen to God and try to run the race that he has planned for us. Because, you know, I think of when I left my job and, and pursued this other career that looked a lot <laughs> on the surface, like what I'm doing now, I'm speaking to people and I was, you know, I was training, it looks like it, but it's wildly different. So I was running in the wrong direction. I was running really fast and I was accomplishing a lot, but in the wrong direction. And so it was a lot of work to get back to where God, you know, wanted me to be. So I, I really encourage people to think about what is their plan? What does God have for you? And the, the verse that speaks to me is um, it's Hebrews 12. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Hmm. So not just run in hmm. the race that we want to be in, not just run in the race that our parents wanted us to be in, or that our church wants us to be in, um, or even our bosses want us to be in. Run the race um, with perseverance that he has marked out for us. So that's not easy because we have to find what that race is. Mm. And really the only way is through prayer, I believe, and obedience. But uh, I think it's it's really important or you could be going in the wrong direction. And, and not only that, but imagine what you're missing out on mm. by not being in the center of your purpose. You could be you know, I mean, I can't believe I have a chance to talk to all these thousands of people. Uh, I never would have had that if I had kept in the, the path that I thought was right. That's so good. I really like that. I have another question for you. For yeah. looking back at your story, then when you're in the hotel room, what are your thoughts about then that it was in this moment of uh, maybe by the world standards failure that you found such clarity and purpose yeah. then of like what your race looked like? Yeah. I mean, I think when, you know, we're pretty faulty people <laughs> when, when oh, we sure. are pursuing, when we're the God of our own life, mm -hmm. that's really risky. You know, we're, so many problems with that. We, we, we don't understand the full situation. We don't understand what's, what's around the corner. Um, mm. And so it's, it's never going to work if, if we are the ultimate decider of our, of our life, if we're the God and Lord and, and savior of our life. Um, so for me, it was, yeah, having that clarity of, okay, I don't actually have to know what is beyond today. 
I don't have to have the grand plan. I'm not even supposed to have the grand plan. According to the Bible, you know, we're, we are yoked to, wow. to Jesus who has the plan. He has the mission. He knows where we're going. And our job is merely to step with him and slightly behind him. We're not supposed to drive Jesus, uh, you know, in the direction we want or God or, or your, you know, however you think of this, but uh, to be yoked and obedient and, and careful with him. And he'll, he'll take us along. And the beauty of that is I only have to know today. I only have to carry today, mm. no matter how big my problems are. And I have big ones in my life. Um, I don't have to carry them. Wow. I have to obey there's a couple things I have to do this very day. In fact, as I looked at my calendar this morning, um, but it's just a couple. I have to show up here and I have to um, give my best, you know, for him. And then I have to show up in my meetings and be, be loving and caring and attentive. And then I have to do the same when I go home with my family and, God will take those efforts of mine and he will bless them. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and just giving so much advice and encouragement to people. You mentioned that you share a lot on LinkedIn and Twitter. How can people follow you and find you on LinkedIn and Twitter? Yeah, um, I would say, so I, I use LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook a lot. Um, and they're all, you know, I use them a little bit differently. So on on LinkedIn, you'll find all sorts of things on faith and work movement. Um, and then on Facebook, I think of it almost more like my personal blog. And you're all welcome to, you know, follow that um, as much as you'd like. I'm trying to kind of document what God is doing as as it's happening because I think it's so such an honor to, to kind of be part of this journey. And so I just try to share about that on there so people can follow that as well. Honestly, I, I put this out there for people listening too if they want to meet with me during one of those blocks, those 8.30 to 9 blocks on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. You can just uh, shoot me a message on LinkedIn, um, mm. and I'm happy to, to talk to just anybody who wants to talk. Yeah, and that's how we got connected, too. We yeah, chatted at 8.30. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. Thank you so much, Sue. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you want more of Sue, I highly recommend following her on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter. She shares pretty regularly about the different ways that God is working in her life. So it's super cool just to read throughout the day. If you love this conversation, feel free to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. I love hearing feedback from you guys and it's always just a fun encouragement to see. Have a great week, you guys, and I'll talk to you guys next Wednesday.